good stuff. If you guys are uh, new to Impact, uh, I'm Pastor Rob. Pastor Scott is out of town doing who knows what, so you got the B team today. Apologize ahead of time. And the funniest part is he gave me some constructive criticism last time I spoke, and he said, you talk too fast. And what does he do? He gives me a whole chapter that has more verses on it. I have more slides up here than I've ever had yet. So guess what? I'm going to talk faster. So I don't know what to tell you. Hopefully we will just get rocking and rolling. So, oh, in fact, so this is a side note, but a couple weeks ago he was preaching and he was talking about how Jesus was doing his triumphal entry and he told his disciples to go and grab a colt, right, the foal of a donkey, so go grab this donkey and bring it back. And so I happened to be in my daily reading at that exact same time and as I was reading it, it occurred to me for the first time ever that Jesus pulled the first Jedi mind trick ever. And so he said, he told his disciples, just go in and ask him for the donkey and just tell them that the Lord needs it, and they'll let you have it. And so they go into the village, they see the donkey tied up, and they start untying the donkey first. And they're like, what are you doing? And they're like, the Lord needs it. And they're like, all right. So they take his donkey. So long before George Lucas, Jesus pulled the Jedi mind trick. Just so you know, that was free. wasn't even part of the sermon today. had nothing to do with nothing. All right, we're going to read... Mark chapter 13, all of it. As Jesus was leaving the temple, oh, by the way, there's a lot of stuff in here, so it's going to be rapid fire. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. So as I was preparing and I was doing a little research on this, and, and so I, th I have a picture up there of the stones that are thrown down from the temple itself. Rome came in there in AD 70 and just demolished the Jewish temple, and it's still destroyed. Uh, part of the prophecy that's supposed to occur is that it's going to be rebuilt one of these days. Um, I don't know when or, or how that timeline works, but it's going to happen. But as I was doing the research on this, I found out that the Romans had come in and so utterly destroyed this temple that was full of gold, that the gold kind of melted in between the rocks and everything else. So even after the temple was destroyed, as people came by, especially Roman soldiers, and pillaged the temple, they completely separated the rocks in order to get to the gold as well. So when Jesus said every stone is going to be taken down, he literally meant every single flipping stone. That's what happened. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when these things will happen. And I don't know if you've ever asked the Lord a question, but I find that he often doesn't answer my questions because I'm asking the wrong question, but I just don't know that. And so he's the ultimate question asker, but people will ask Jesus questions and then he'll respond with something totally unrelated. It's very much like my daughter does to me. <laughs> Welcome, Keisha. So... I'll be talking about this, thinking I'm going to get a response, and she's over here talking about shampooing the cat. I don't understand that, but that's what happens. So in some ways, it's Christ-like, so I guess you should keep doing it. So when will these things happen? That's what they cared about. They wanted to know when. What will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled, Jesus said to them? Watch out that no one deceives you. This is when he starts the lesson. When is all this going to happen? He's going, let's talk about deception for a while. Right? He's not answering their question. In fact, as we go through this, he never answers that question. He gives them some other little clues about things, but he never talks about when. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. And I started thinking about what is it in our society that's deceptive? What is it that tricks us? I mean, other than Satan himself. 
You know, Satan is the, the ultimate deceiver, of course. I'll talk more about him in a second. But what is the deception? And I started thinking about all of the things that you see on Facebook and Twitter and Google. In fact, I got a picture here of some things that I Googled, and I started laughing. It was the first one that came up, and all it says that China declares that the Jews are the ones who really run America. And I thought to myself, is there any truth in that at all? And who knows? And I don't know, and you don't know. I don't know if those things are true or not true. And, and even Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said, you know, there are some things that are too lofty for me to understand. I don't know. You know, wouldn't it just be nice for once? I'd love to see a politician just say, you know what, I don't know. But they don't say that. They always come up with some other answer for some reason. He goes on to say, many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. And I started thinking, well, what is it that alarms me? Because I don't know about you, but being in the military for 20-some-odd years, war alarms me. It gets my attention every time. All right? Can you imagine if, like, I don't know, Denver riled up all of a sudden and there's going to be civil unrest? You would, you would be alarmed. You would have, it would get your attention. But does the government ever do things that alarm you? They alarm me all the time. Maybe alarm is not the right word. Tick me off. I don't know what the Hebrew is for that, but I'm going to find it. I'll share it with you. They do stuff all the time. Global warming, whatever it is. I know it's not supposed to be global warming anymore. It's just that they felt idiotic when it was snowing sideways and it was 40 below zero. So they changed it to climate change, right? That way, no matter what's happening, it's you and your SUV's fault, period, right? Period. Don't be alarmed about conspiracy theories. Have you heard any conspiracy theories lately? Is it alarming to you? Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. Don't be alarmed by all this stuff. It still alarms us because we're looking and hearing and listening to what people are saying who don't know what they're talking about. Jesus already said that they don't know what they're talking about. So why are we listening and taking it to heart? I don't know. Such things must happen, he says, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. It will happen. It's going to happen. I don't care if you're talking about North Korea or Syria or whoever it is that's on the hit list that year. It's going to happen. I'm not saying not to prepare. It's what soldiers do. You get ready for war, and you do it during peacetime, right? By the time the war starts, it's too late to start kicking up and getting ready for war. So it's going to happen. There will be earthquakes in various places. Have you seen those on the news in the last 20 years? Famines. There's all kinds of things, of natural disasters that are coming. This first photo I have is a picture of a flood. The second photo I had up there was a tsunami I saw. Third natural disaster, I just went with Pueblo. <laughs> Sorry if you're from Pueblo, welcome. <laughs> At least your folks aren't here today. Every single time I make a Pueblo joke, Kent Gordon's folks are right there. I'm like, Sorry. Sorry. Kind of. Not really. It's still Pueblo. All right. These are the beginnings of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You're going to see that theme throughout this entire chapter today. Be on your guard. Watch out. Stand your post. Those kinds of things. He constantly is saying that. He still never answers the question of when these things are going to occur. He just says, stand your guard. Watch out. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors as kings, as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Now, I highlighted those on purpose 
Because uh, even when we're teaching the class over here, sometimes I, w- I would ask something simple like, what is the gospel message? You've got 10 seconds to tell me what the gospel message is. And most of us, even as Christians, cannot answer that question. And, you know, it says in the scriptures to be prepared to give everyone an answer. And so if you don't know the answer to that question, this is free again, right? The gospel message is very simple, and it should be. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking. He says, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. That's it. That's the gospel message. Now, I can add more detail, detail to it all day. We can do all kinds of stuff, but that is the message. So if you want the 10-second elevator version, I can give you that. If you want the lifetime version, let's face it, some of us have been working on our friends and family for a lifetime, right? And they still don't get it, right? That's the gospel message. Jesus came and he died. He rose again so that we can too. And it's a free gift from him. Now you can add more things to it. There's more detail. You could say, okay, uh, you need to have a repentance in your life. You need to have this prayer of faith. You need to be baptized. You should do this and you should do that. Eventually, when you pull it together, you should go to church and you should do that. You should start going to Bible studies. All that comes later, right? Nobody usually does. There are a few people weird like Pierre. I don't think he's in this service. He started doing that stuff before he became a Christian. I'm like, Pierre, what's your problem? Sorry. The rest of us got saved first. And then you're like, you know what? That church thing wasn't too bad. I think I can handle that. I'll go to the next step. And then the next step. And before you know it, you become one of them that you thought was so disgusting. And you're like, you little religious freako, Bible thumping, whatever. And then congrats, you guys are one. So here you are. The gospel must first be preached to all nations. You know that the gospel has already gone out to every country in the world. It's already been preached to every country. It has not reached every people group. And that verse right there is talking about the people group. There are about 7,000 people groups left. You know, they're always in Africa. All right, so some, some half-naked tribe in the middle of the Congo has not yet heard this gospel message. So when every single group has been reached, now the gospel, it says, it must first be preached to every nation or every, every people group. When that happens, now you've got something to start with. Because Jesus, it basically says in Revelation that in, uh, in heaven, every people group, every tribe, nation, and language will be represented in heaven. So every single person from every one of these groups will be saved at some point, and somebody will be in heaven. It might just be one person, I don't know, but somebody will be there. And that, has, that is one of the preconditions for the end times to hit. So whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever's given you at the time. For it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Let me just pause there for a second. One of the things that we want to get well-versed at is listening to the Spirit. I cannot possibly talk to you about the things of God unless I'm listening to God myself. Amen? Um, We're terrible at that, just so you know. I mean, 99% of what he wants to tell you is written in the black and white, and you can read that. And I will tell you this, that if you want to talk to people about God and biblical things, uh, here's a thought. Use the Bible um, because God knows what he's talking about. And it says his word won't return empty. When you start trying to make stuff up and trying to fill it, I mean, you can add, it's kind of like the gospel message. He said this, you can add some filler, but it should be the filler. Don't let your filler be the main part of the cake, you know what I mean? This is the extra stuff on the sides. So if I want to start telling people about the Lord, it says, like in John 10, 27, that my sheep listen to my voice. They know me and they hear me. 
So God speaks to us in his word. He speaks to us through other people. He speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. And I think that's the part that's mostly lacking that I see anyway. That's my experience is that we're not good at listening to the Holy Spirit ourselves. Right? So he gives you generic principles, sometimes very specific. But then you get to that like, I'm not sure, Lord, how to minister to that person. That's when the Holy Spirit kicks in. I'm not sure, Lord, if I should buy that house or this one. That's when the Holy Spirit kicks in. That's when we've got to get better at listening to his voice. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I have never experienced hate uh, because of my Christianity before till last year. Um, I have had people call me Bible thumper or this or that, and I kind of laughed. I'm like, yeah, it's never really thumped it, but yeah, I read it. So um, I've had that, but I, but I never experienced hate, and it was actually Heidi's fault. So since she's here, I'll blame her. So she took my son and went to New York last year because he was going to Broadway. Um, and I mean, like, auditioning for the Broadway folks. He wasn't up there yet, but kind of hard to get in front of these people, but the doors ushered in, and there he was. So they went to New York. Now, in Heidi's mind, they were working. I'm like, whatever. So Keisha and I were stuck behind, and I said, well, I'm not going to just stay here spring break while you guys are in New York. So we took one for the team, and I booked a cruise for ourselves. So Keisha and I went on a cruise, just daddy-daughter time, and so we had a blast, stuffed our fat faces, of course. But I, I befriended this couple who was way older than us, must have been at least 55. So just want to know who I'm hitting between the eyes because a little bit of love. So older couple, and I was befriending them, nicest couple on, in the, on the planet, talking to them the whole time, had meals with them two or three times. It was fantastic until this husband found out through my own lips somehow that I was one of the elders at a church, and this guy flipped like that. And I mean evil, spirit, coming out of his pores, so much, just like to the point where he got up, and like he, I thought he was going to overturn the tables and actually got up and left. And his wife was like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I, I didn't know what to say or do. I hadn't experienced that before. Hate. Hate me because I identified with Jesus. And you know what? They're going to hate you too, and Jesus told us that. He's like, they hated me for no reason. They're going to hate you too. And, and who's getting attacked out there? Like, ah, Christian that, and hypocrite that, and blah, 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 and here they are, blah, 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 blah. Satan's work. That's what he does. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. I don't know what the abomination that causes desolation is. Um, there is lots of speculation. Some of this stuff that we're going to talk about today happened at that time in Jerusalem. Some of it's for the future. The book of Daniel mentions this very thing like four times, this thing, whatever it is. So I don't know if it was just when Rome came in and destroyed Jerusalem that they set up some kind of idol or something there in the temple or what it was. Um, it's very possible it's going to be both. Um, but he says, when you see it standing there, let the reader understand, which I thought was interesting because Jesus is talking to this crowd talking to his disciples and like what reader he should say let the hearer listen he said let the reader understand to me that is prophetic right there in the sense that he knew mark was going to write this down someday and you and i would be reading it and he said let the reader understand this and because you wouldn't say that it was like me talking to you and say hey when you get ready to read this that wouldn't come out of my mouth that's what he's saying let those who are in judea flee to the mountains 
if that were the return of the Lord, like the end, the end, you don't flee to the mountains. Jesus wouldn't tell him to do that because you're not going to be able to get away from the Lord. When he comes back, he's going to know where you are, right? So you're, now, there might be people who try to run and hide, but Jesus wouldn't tell his disciples to do that. And these are his disciples that he's talking to. So this particular section right here is talking about when Rome comes to take Jerusalem. And it'll make more sense as we read this. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Right? It's like when your house is on fire and you're like, oh, I forgot about the cat. Well, nobody, yeah. Don't get me started on cats. <laughs> All right, let's just say it. All right, cats don't have souls like dogs. They're not going to heaven. All right. Let no one in the field go back to get their cat. Right? How dreadful it will be in those days. Now he's switching gears. Now he's talking about the end again. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter. It's kind of weird that he's saying that, but he's saying pray for that. So, because those, those particular days, will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning, when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. He's saying that those days are going to be horrible. In the Hebrew, that would be suckfest. I don't know what the word is, Right? It's going to be bad. He said, from the worst of the worst. And I thought, what's the worst day in history that I could think of in the world when the flood came and wiped out every single person and every animal? Everything was wiped out and killed except for eight people. And Jesus is saying, this is worse? He says, unequal, not even close. He's saying, this is worse. And I think it's worse because there are people still alive who are not dead, who are living through this. That's what's going to make this thing so bad. It's going to be bad. Unequaled. I have a friend, I'll call him David, because his name's David. We were stationed in Guam together. He was a brand new believer. We started talking about end times, Armageddon, this and that. And he was one of those hoorah types, right? He's like, I want to be there. I hope Armageddon comes tomorrow. I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to be over there kicking butt and taking names. And blah, blah. I'm like, David, you don't want to be there. <laughs> you don't want to be there at all. He's like, no, I do. I want to get my sword. And I'm like, you're not hearing me. <laughs> this is not, even says in the scriptures, that this, this particular time frame is going to be the worst of the worst of the worst. So imagine all of the atrocities that you've ever seen on the news, but having that around the world all at the same time. It's going to look like that. And, I, and then it's funny now, because years later, as he's read the scriptures and gotten more savvy in his Christian life, he's like, you're right. I, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> I was like, so I was trying to tell you, but I was hoping that you weren't going to pray this thing and usher it in during my time on earth. I was like, you want to be a part of it, go for it, man. I don't want any part of it. Gets interesting right here. It says, if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. So it's going to be bad enough that people are dying, but there are people who are living through it. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. That word elect comes up all the time. In scripture you'll see see that word of the elect i don't know if you know this or not but if you have given your life to the lord you are part of the elect it's a strange phenomenon because he says in some passages i don't wish that anybody would perish but that all would come to christ that's what he says over here and if you have just that verse by itself your theology be, will be wrong because in this verse it says something different because the word elect means chosen. It means literally somebody who is predestined. 
It is somebody who God has literally made a circle around and picked out as a target. That's who the elect are. So even though he says over here, I want everybody to repent and come to Christ, he says over here that I have predestined you and circled you and chosen you. So my question is, well, which is it? And the answer is yes. There. Now you're where I'm at, and you know nothing either. Right? They're both in there. I don't know what to tell you, but that's what the elect is. They are chosen. In fact, Jesus said in John uh, 15, 16, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You thought that it was me seeking you out. It wasn't. He sought you out. He jumped off the boat. You were drowning. He threw the little thing over the top of your shoulders, and he swam you back to the boat, put you on the boat, and you were like, look what I did for you, Lord. I gave my whole life to you. And he's like, okay, thanks, right? Kind of like when your kid makes you something. Sorry, Keisha. It's when your kid makes you something, and it's like the funkiest little thing you ever saw in your life, but you hang it up on the wall, and you're like, oh, that's cool. And so it blesses them, right? The item itself is not about that item. It's about who gave it to you. Same thing. Same thing with our, with our kids, same thing that Jesus does with us. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or look, he's over here, he says, don't believe it. So I started thinking as I was preparing for this sermon, what is it that we believe? We start listening to stuff and reading it and looking, and, and we fall for this stuff all the time. Or in the Christian circles, we kind of do this little hodgepodge, little mixture, where we take what the world is saying, and we try to squeeze it and make it fit into the Bible. Well, here's the problem. If this stuff is not true, it's not going to flip and fit, right? If somebody says to you, look, the fossil record proves evolution's true. Now look, now we're trying to make it fit. And it doesn't because one of those is not true, and it's not the Bible, right? It doesn't fit. If anyone says to you, look, the Bible's been translated so many times, it's lost its uh, meaning. We have more translation capabilities today than we have ever had in our lives. It is by far better. So when people say that, you literally have no idea what you're saying if you know people like that who say that. You don't know what you're talking about at all. That's what I'm saying. We need to quit taking this stuff and going, oh, wow, that's true. I better look into how they translate it and really check. I dare you to look into that stuff. You will come out on the other side and go, no, that's why you got books like Lee Strobel wrote who went out to prove Christianity wrong as a legal guy and came back as a Christian because he's like, I found undoubtedly that this was true. That's what he found out. Anyone says to you to look, followed by anything that is anti-scriptural, do not believe it. That's all I can tell you. Well, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. That's us again. So I don't know what's happening here, but I know that he's saying false messiahs are going to appear, false prophets are going to appear, they're going to do signs and wonders that are going to blow your flipping mind at that time whenever it happens. Maybe some of you have experienced some of that stuff already. I have not. I have never seen a healing. Um, I have friends that have. I had a friend of mine, very trust, you know, because you, you see the stuff on the internet, you're like, whatever. This guy said, I don't care if you believe me or not, very well, biblically scholared, scholared man said, I saw a foot grow back in front of my face. You can take it or leave it. I saw it. I'm like, okay, I believe you. I haven't seen it. None of that. But Satan is the ultimate deceiver. That's what he does. So if he's going to have false messiahs, false prophets, these falsifications of what is true, 
If those things are going to happen, we need to be aware of that. And he says, if it was possible, even the elect would be deceived. So in my mind, this is what I currently think, that maybe he's put some kind of hedge of protection around us to where we'll be able to identify these falsities that are coming and be like, no, that's not of the Lord. You're claiming some Jesus stuff, but it's not. And in fact, Jesus said, there's people that are standing there, uh, and I don't know whether they do it on purpose or not. Maybe they're deceived themselves. Some people are deceiving on purpose. Other people have been deceived, right? And so they think that this is the way. But he says, you're going to meet people who are going to say, didn't we do A, B, C, and D? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do this? And Jesus is going to say, I didn't know you. Get away from me, right? Because you were throwing out my name, and you were doing this, and you were doing some miracles, but you didn't have nothing to do with me. All you were doing was letting it come out of your lips, but your heart was far from me. So there are some people who got some powers out there that are not Christians. Don't ask me how or why. Maybe it's the power of the devil. They don't know that. Believe it or not, during the process of this, I was looking at the name Satan that I thought was the name Satan. Did you know that Satan's not even a name? I didn't know. It's a title. I didn't know that until yesterday. 32 years. Been studying the scriptures. Didn't find that until yesterday. Satan is a title, and it literally, it, in fact, in Hebrew, they say the Satan. And it means the adversary. You've heard that name before. It's a title. It's not his name. It's not his name. So I thought, I, gotta, I had to take my etch-a-sketch, my theology, and shake that thing, and like start from scratch. I'm like, I, don't, I still, to this day, don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, that's not entirely true. This one. All right. Dear friends, this is not up on the slides. This is what it says in 1 John. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. Test the spirits. I thought to myself, well, how do you test the spirits? And he's not talking about testing ghosts. He's, not, he's just talking about testing people. Spirits, small s. Somebody is claiming some Christianity stuff over here, but they're living this. And they're, they're, they're throwing out deception. And he says, how do you know? And so Jesus, or First John goes on to say, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Doesn't say how do you recognize every false spirit here. He goes, but this is how you know the spirit is from God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is from God, right? So, if you know a person or an entire church group or a denomination or anything like that that does not acknowledge that Jesus came down from heaven and became a man, in other words, deity became flesh, God became man. There are some religions that teach that man can become God. That's not the same. He says that group of folks do not have the spirit of god that is a lie from the pit of hell don't believe that that is not what the scriptures teach and you can eliminate most of the religions in the world based on that right there alone you look at uh, islam you look at buddhism you look at hinduism you name the religion most of them do not believe that at all then within christianity you get those groups within in it that say things like well let's say you have Scientology, you have Jehovah Witness, you have Mormon, you have that, believe it or not, in the, in the secular world, those are all Christian. A lot of those groups do not believe that Jesus became man in the flesh in that sense, that it was God who became flesh. And he said, if you believe that, you don't believe I am who I say that I am, you will die in your sins. So that's important. That is, that is one of the huge pillars of the Christian faith. Remember when we were talking about the gospel message earlier, this is not part of the gospel message. But he's saying over here, hey, 
you better believe I am who I say I am, that I'm God in the flesh, or you don't even have the Spirit of God. You're just saying, don't listen to these folks. They don't know what they're talking about. Because if that part's a lie, what else is a lie? Must acknowledge that he comes from heaven. So look at this guy right here. Um, he came up with this judgment day on May 21st, 2011. Spent everything he had to market this thing to let everybody know. I mean, his entire life savings he spent to let everybody know. I don't know where you were on May 21st. Um, I wasn't watching his Facebook posts, I can tell you that. I don't even know who he is. And I don't know what led him to believe that that was the day, but he threw that out there. And I thought, what, was it Satan that deceived him? Was it a demon? Was it just his own, you know, let's face it, you got some people in different circles that are over there mathematically trying to figure it out. And we're like, oh, based on the color of the flag on the wall, and in fact, it's Tuesday, high tide, full moon. Friday's the day. Jesus is coming back, right? They, they can mathematically figure it out somehow by themselves. Uh, I haven't never figured that out. And by the way, how come these people don't get kicked off the stage every time they have a wrong prediction? It says in the scriptures that if you are claiming to be a prophet and your prophecy does not come true, you are not a prophet. Ta-da! You're not a prophet. Shut up! In the Greek, that means shut up! You're not a prophet. I get so sick of that. Now, I get there is a certain amount of name it and claim it. I'm believing that God is going to take this cancer away from you. Say that if God is telling you and giving you that. You can pray that with people legitimately. Don't say your cancer is gone unless you know it's gone because that's just your gas bubble coming out, right? Don't say that stuff. Unless, if it's from the Lord, it will be gone. We had a dear friend of ours here that died not too long ago, four times, was pronounced 100% clean. And then he died of the cancer. Somebody lied. Stop. But you know what? That brings, when you use that guise of Jesus as the label, it brings us all down, right? Everybody gets lumped into the same. That's why we get called wackos and everything else, because these people are being wackos. Where was I? All right. Look at the blood moon that's up here. Remember when we had four blood moons that were coming back to back? Everybody thought, here it comes. It's the end. We're going to die Thursday at noon. Everybody knows it. I've already done all the research. I looked at my astrological charts. I looked at everything. Next time that blood moon shows up, not going to happen. Jesus didn't even mention blood moons. He does talk about suns and moons and, and stars and, and things in the constellations that we'll talk about here in a second. He goes back to the same thing. Be on your guard. For like the fourth time, I've told you everything ahead of time, but in those days, he's talking about the end now, in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. That's mentioned several times in Scripture, that this is going to happen. It's a unique day. It's neither day nor uh, nighttime. I don't know if it's an eclipse. I don't know what's going on. All the theories are out there. The nukes are going off, and that's why the smoke is going up and the moon's red. Good guess, but phrase it as such. Here's my guess, right? If it's in here, though, we can go. We can take it to the bank. But we got this piece, and we got this piece. What in the world? Thank you, Lord. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. So, I've told you these things, that this is what's going to happen. Next verse. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. The only analogy I could come up and this was happening this morning on the way here, it was like, remember the snow globes? Imagine if you, the earth was a snow globe and you went like this with it. That's what's going to happen. 
there's going to be no doubt in your mind that the end is here. You're not going to see it on a billboard first and go, oh, wow, I better pay attention to uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock. Apparently something big is going to happen. That's not how it's going to go down. When the stars fall from the sky, if you're awake at all, you're going to notice is where I'm going with that. You're going to, you're going to see that. So this picture that I found here of Jesus coming in the clouds, I thought, was just kind of cool. One of the cooler pictures. There was one where Jesus had, somebody drew the thing, his lasers like blowing up a planet. I'm like, it's not freaking Star Wars. Get out of here. But when Jesus comes back, and he will, every eye will see him, the scripture says. So if it's daytime in America when he comes back, and it's nighttime in the Philippines, they're still going to see this. They're going to see him. It's going to be plainly obvious that the Lord is returning, very obvious. In fact, he's coming back as quite a warrior. You know, he is not a high power. He is the highest power, amen? That's who he is. He went out like a lamb. He went out slaughtered, and he did that on purpose. He said, no one takes my life. I give it up. When he comes back, it doesn't look like that. He says he comes back as the Lion of Judah. It says he comes back riding on a horse. And by the way, he's tatted on his right thigh. It's the coolest image ever. Where's that picture of Jesus in church, by the way? Who's the draw in here? I want that picture up there. I want the tatted Jesus. I mean, like, that, right? That one to get your attention. Be like, man, I don't know what's going on with that church, but they're a little edgy for my liking, so. Sorry, it's just scripture. And he will send his angels and gather his elect. It's us again. From the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. What he's saying right there, and, and this is something that you need to pay attention to, because a lot of people are like, well, he won't bring us through all these hard times. You know, I'm like, if you look at history, you look at the scriptures, the Christians were always going through the hard times, right? They got thrown in the furnace still. They still got thrown in the lion's den. Nations came and still slaughtered, and the only difference was that the Lord was with them. But they still went through it. This one right here, this whole passage right here, talks about he's going to do this, and during that time, if the days hadn't been cut short, even the elect wouldn't have survived. So that tells me that they're here. That means that Christians are here. So if that happens tomorrow, or it happens 25 years from now, or 2,000 years from now, all I can tell you is that Christians are here. Regardless of what you think about the tribulation, regardless of what you think about rapture, and all this other stuff. You may not know what the rapture is. Uh, I may or may not talk about it, but I'm just, okay, we're going to talk about it for a second. It says in First Thess that the Lord is going to come down from heaven with a, a trumpet call and a loud voice and that the people are going to meet him in the air, those who are saved and on earth. They're going to meet him in the air, which would be scary in itself, right? You're standing there and, whoop, well, hey, Lord, I'm floating. Finally, I'm over six feet. I love it, all right? But, but then you keep going, all right? Keep going. You're going to meet the Lord in the air. Nowhere does Jesus talk about when that is going to occur, when that rapture is going to happen. Nowhere. I've heard people say, well, no such thing as the rapture. It's not in the scriptures. I'm like, well, neither, neither is a freaking Toyota Corolla. That's not in the scriptures either. Somebody told me earlier, I said that first service, that it does say that the disciples were all in one accord. I'm like, whatever. So, <laughs> there, the cheesiness has been passed off to you, so now you can't get it out of your mind either. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. And so my side thought was this. Don't be outdone by a tree. Don't be outdone by a tree. Jesus said, if you guys don't start praising my name, the rocks are going to cry out. Don't be outdone by a rock either, ever. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer's near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it, the end, is near, right at the door. 
Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Now, when you read that, it looks like, wait a second, that generation's dead and gone, and the end did not come. But if you do it the way that I'm talking about doing it, where you read it properly, he's saying this stuff that I was talking about is going to happen in your generation. The end time stuff will happen later because you figure that Jesus was like 33-ish. They jacked up his birthday, by the way. He's 33-ish. A generation is about 40 years. Rome was sacked in A.D. 70. So that generation did experience exactly what he was talking about where he said, don't run down to your house and grab your stuff, flee into the mountains. They did experience that. So that is true. He just wasn't talking about the end yet. He goes on to say, heaven and earth will pass away, my words will never pass away. It's eternal. It's etern- There's not that many things that are eternal. God is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Holy Spirit's eternal. Angels in heaven are eternal. Satan, well, the Satan and his demons are eternal. Good or bad, they're still eternal. And human souls are eternal. I cannot think of anything else that lasts forever. So if you wanted to spend your time wisely, the best things that you can do are to spend your times in the things that are eternal. This is why God said the greatest commands are him and others. Right? Those are two of the three right there. The third one would be his word. If you're spending your time with those three things, you are spending your time with things that you're going to spend eternity with anyhow, so we might as well get in good practice. Amen? That's their eternal. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if Jesus didn't know the day or the hour prior to coming to this earth when he was in eternity past, or if he knew when he was back in eternity with his Father, but for sure, here on earth, he did not know, which blows me away. The Son of God did not know the day or the hour. Why in the world would anybody else on this planet, I don't care what Stephen Hawking or anybody else says, and then the planets are going to line up, and it's happening Friday. If Jesus doesn't know, you don't know. You don't know. Stop making predictions. In fact, anybody anywhere who ever sets a date of anything that's like this, you'd be like, nope, no. You don't get to set dates. Beware of the date setters. All right? Only the Father knows. And what does he say for the 15th time? Be on guard. Be alert. You don't know when that time will come. So the celebration that you see right here um, on this photo is when the Mayan calendar ran out. You remember when that was about to happen a few years ago? I don't remember what year it was. All, huh? Thank you. It all blends together for me now. It's all the same. Heidi is with me now. She's a half a century old too. But I told her she was a hottie 50-year-old yesterday. So... The Mayans don't know, right? If Jesus doesn't know, no ancient culture knows. If you're one of those little freakoids that watch ancient aliens and all that stuff, okay, I get it. They don't know either, okay? All right. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Have you heard the theme, keep watch, today? We're going to talk about that more in a minute. But what does it mean your assigned task. Do you know your assigned task? Some of our assigned tasks are generic for everybody. You have things like the Great Commission where it says, I want you to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, discipling, right? That hits all of us. Then on top of that, it says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship, which translated as poem, that we are created for good works. 
that God set the parameters up ahead of time. All you do is show up and do the things that he set all the details up for to happen, and then you get all the credit for it anyway, right? But we're supposed to be giving God the glory and the credit. So hopefully you know that even if you have some really cool talent or ability that you bring to the table, even that didn't come from you. And even if you make money doing that, God gets the credit for that too. It's like the money he gives you. He gives you a certain amount of money, you give it back to him, and he gives you credit for giving money that belonged to him to begin with. That's how God works. He does that with everything, not just our funds, but our talents and everything that we bring to the table. He gave you, and then he gives it to you in different measures. So he says, I gave this person one talent. I gave this one five, and I gave this one ten. Guess what? You could have the gift of prophecy or gift of tongues or the gift of teaching, and you get two talents. You get a Billy Graham. Guess what? He got a hundred talents of that. We're all supposed to share Christ, but we don't all have that talent. He got that. So stop comparing yourself. I just spit. I can see it everywhere. Don't compare yourself to the Billy Grahams. Compare yourself with what the Lord has told you to do. He's like, this is your assigned task. I want you to wear the yoke that I give you. Some of us have put on a yoke that's even larger than what Jesus intended for us. So you are just wiped out because you're wearing a yoke that doesn't belong to you. I don't even know what time it is. And you know what? I don't really care. It's the last service. We can go all day. All right. Each of us with our assigned task. Keep watch. 1 Peter 4.10. Take whatever gift that God has given you and use it to serve others. Do you even know what your spiritual gift is? Do you even know? If you have not come to Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't have a spiritual gift. This part, you need to hear the gospel first. Then you get the Holy Spirit. Now you've got something to work with, right? Doesn't mean you don't have a talent or a skill. There are people out there that are very talented and very skillful who don't know God at all. But God still gave them that ability. Still came. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. He's not talking about slumber. He's not talking about rest. Saying, don't let him come back and find you doing nothing. Don't let him come find you just hanging out, checking the blocks, praising him with your lips when your heart is really way over here and you want nothing to do with it. There's no game today anyway. I guess I'll go to church, right? I get that to a degree, but at the same time, when you latch on to what God has for us, it's way more better, and it's gonna last for all of eternity. Why would we not want to participate in the things that God has for us here on earth? When Jesus said, I've come that you may have life to the fullest, he means now. He doesn't mean someday in heaven, now, if you're not living life to the fullest, and let's face it, sometimes you're not. Sometimes I'm not. But how do I not stay there? How do I keep from not? If I'm not living life to the fullest, I probably need to change some things in my life, for sure. What I say to you, he's saying to his disciples, I say to everybody, watch. I want you to live with the end in mind. That's what watch. That's what be on your guard means. That's what he's trying to get at. Don't just endure life. I want you to be whole. I want you to recover, and I want you to prosper, and I want you to do well. Because, you know, this, this whole Christian life, it's not just a matter of philosophy, right? Christianity is based on a real person, God in the flesh. People are like, oh, it's just your blind faith. No, it's not. It's not blind faith. There's no such thing as blind faith. Somebody else made that up. It says in Hebrews 11 that faith is being assured of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, right? Are you certain? I am. If you're certain, please raise your hand. That's what faith is. It's not some guess on our part. It's certain. That's what faith is.
We are not better than non-Christians, but we are better off because our faith is in that which is eternal. So the takeaway for today is this. Jesus is coming back for sure. I don't know when. I don't know when the rapture is. I don't know where Armageddon is going to occur. I don't even know the order of those things. And you know what? The reason we don't know that is because he didn't tell us. And guess what? He didn't tell us that for a reason. Because if you knew that Saturday was your last day, being the wonderful people we are, we would party hard until Friday night, right? We would. We have. (laughs) We have. That's why he didn't tell us. He doesn't want you to know. He wants it to be a surprise. When I was at this conference in Dallas that we were talking about just last week, there was a guy in there that said he died in his sleep, 32 years old. Unfortunately, he died in his girlfriend's arms instead of his wife's. I don't want to go out like that. I don't know about you. That's not standing guard. That's not keeping watch. You are playing with all of eternity if you're living like that. I don't want to go out like that, ever. So for us to stand guard and to keep watch is very simple. If you don't know the Lord at all, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I had a couple two weeks ago said, you said something about coming to Christ. I don't even know what coming to Christ means. I'm like, I never really thought about that. From their perspective, that was new news. That was a a different set of words. And I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you. And he goes, well, yeah, I'd like to do that. So him and his wife prayed to receive Christ. It was awesome. So my point is this. If you don't know the Lord, for you to keep watch and for you to stand guard is to come to the Lord. If you don't know what that means, when they play this last song, there's a few of us standing up front. We will help you. For the rest of us, if you've already come to the Lord, but maybe you've got some sin in your life or something that's unconfessed and you're driving with the brakes on and you're not progressing, for you, standing watch and keeping guard is to come and confess that and get that off your plate and let Jesus take it to the cross. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word that we don't have to wonder about what it is that you want for our lives. You have told us. Help us, Lord, to get better at listening to your spirit. Help us to get better at reading your word and spending our time in those things that are eternal. And Lord, I pray that all of us in here would keep watch, that we would keep guard, that we would not be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Lord, we we don't want to be those folks, but help us to keep our minds on things above, as the Bible says not on the things of this earth because we are just passing through we give you this entire day and we give you our lives not just today but for however many we have left it's in your son's name we pray amen